and then we're going to be somewhere else. And maybe by five o'clock in the morning, I'll be asleep. Ah, you thought I was going to say something else, huh? <laughs> First John chapter three. And the first nine verses. Let's go ahead and stand together in respect for the word of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Now this isn't part of the, the message, but when it, I think sometimes we, we think that we're having a hard time with sin in our lives because God's just not doing his part. But if you'll notice in verse three, it says, and every man that hath this hope in him Waits on God, purifieth himself. That means we are accountable for the life we have. Now, our life is supposed to be by faith, but it's still we are accountable to God to purify ourselves from sin. And sometimes we, we think that, well, this temptation keeps on coming. God shouldn't do it. Wait a minute. What are you doing to resist it? What are you doing to defeat it? And so that's not part of the sermon, though. That, I, I, I'm trying to follow Brother Mike's example. <laughs> Verse four. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. You may be seated. Now there's another passage we're going to go to after we get through this one, because <clears throat> there's a lot of misconception about the Christian life. And uh, I didn't know where to go to, be honest with you. But, uh, and I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know how I've wound up here. But when I started, I started looking at it, God just, there's some great things here. But did you notice that, that it said that, that whosoever is born of God cannot sin? Now, we're all thankful we're saved. If that's the case, you cannot sin. 
I'm not talking about sinless perfection, okay? Don't get ahead of me. Stay where I'm at right now, okay? If you stay where I'm at, when you get through, you'll be like Brother David. Well, somebody say amen because you'll feel that way. But in here, I have three points. He, well, almost. I won't tell you how many subpoints I have. But out of the first, this part, I, the, the other one's going to be Romans. But out of these nine verses, I want you to get one thing. Just one thing. And that is in verse nine. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, if you, when we get through, you'll understand why that's an important statement. If you are born of God, you cannot sin. I want to try to help you with this terminology. You are living the Christian life victoriously. You are living that. You don't try to live the victorious Christian life. If you're alive, you are living the victorious Christian life. And these verses, especially this verse 9, is going to show us why you're living a victorious Christian life. There are so many defeated Christians Church members, hard workers, great soul winners. They're just defeated. Why? Because they sin. And the devil gets you and tells you that, well, God can't use you. But God says you cannot sin if you're born of God. This is why it's so important to know what the Bible says. Otherwise, you take what somebody else says and what they say, you make the premise and foundation for what you are now going to believe. That's why Sunday school is important. That's why church is important. That's why special meetings are important. To get you grounded in the word. John, John says over in second, third John, back toward Revelation, he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Thy word is truth. Yet we can't find five minutes to read our Bible every day. If you read one verse a day, that's more than what you've been reading. Some of you, maybe. And the older you are, the easier the Bible is to read. A young Christian gets in this old English and it is hard. But the more you read it, the easier it becomes to read. I've, I've read the book of Ephesians over 50 times. I did that in college. And I don't know how many times since then. The book of Ephesians is so easy for me to read. Book of Psalms the same way. And it's, it's not because I've studied them because I haven't. It's because I've read them. You've seen TV programs. And you'll watch that thing again and again and again. Same movie. And when you see it come on, you watch it again. And you already know what's going to happen. 
You already know the punchline. You, you, you know the whole thing, but you still watch it. And you know what? You enjoy it. Well, the Bible's the same way. You read it, and it's that first time you see the movie. Oh, that was great, but boy, it's thrilled. And then you read it again, and you read it again. You don't read it to get anything out of it. You read it so God can put it in you. See, God's doing it, not you. But if you never read it, he's not going to pour it in a funnel in your head. If you don't read it, you're not going to have it. Then when it comes time for the test to come and the Holy Spirit wants to give you a verse to, to plant your feet on, you don't have it. Why? Because you haven't read it. So you read the word of God. But see, I've only got one page. We should be out of here by nine o'clock, no problem. Maybe 10. Why can he not sin? Why the person that gets saved cannot sin? Now he will not, there's a difference. Not you will not sin, you cannot sin. Verse nine. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Reason, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now, this was really great. I can just keep myself together. I almost got out of my study and ran around a little while today. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The reason you got saved is not because you had an experience. It's because you trusted the word of God that somebody showed you in soul winning or repeated to you or you read it in a track the reason you got saved was the word of God. Your foundation for your salvation is not your feelings. The foundation for your salvation and the reason you're saved is because of the word of God and it doesn't change. So if you have eternal life, you have eternal life. And if you were saved way long time ago, you're still saved. I got to do it. I just got to do it. <laughs> Go over to Ephesians chapter 2. And look at verse 8. Well, actually go up above verse 8. This isn't in my notes, so I can go as long as I want to now. That's what Brother Looney said. He said, Brother, get out of your notes and you can just preach on I'll blame him for something anyway. Up in verse uh, five. Up in verse five. Even when you were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. I've, I've said this in adult Sunday school class before. And then uh, verse eight. For by grace are you saved. That word saved can only be translated saved. That's the only way it can be translated. But as you, as many of you know, 
In Spanish, you have at least three or four different words that you can use for you. And it depends on the relationship between you and the person you're talking to as to which one you can use. If you use the wrong one, you are out of bounds. Now, I say that because I was raised in Key West. And I was down there when the Mario boat lift came in. And I had, I had Cubans all over the place. And, and they would accept a gringo doing wrong, okay? But not between them. And so, so it is with language. In, in the, the language that the New Testament was written in, which is Koine Greek, there's, there's a word, sozo, means, means save, to save. Well, there's a tense. We, we have a very limited, vocab, limited language, English. And in other languages, you know, you know why you, you never see uh, a lot of doctrines expounded in New Testament because of the word they used t- tells you all. There's a word that's called the aorist tense. There's a tense, aorist tense. That's right now it happened and that's the only time it happened. You're saved. And in the aorist tense, you are saved. You're only saved once. But there's a better tense. And that tense is called the perfect tense. And there is no English translation for that tense. Except for a few sentences. It's translated into English correctly in your Bible. For by grace are you saved. But that tense says that whatever is present is based upon something in the past. And what you did in the past and and put your faith in, that end result of whatever that was will last forever and never end. That's a lot different than just being. So what happened in the past was Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for your your sins and my sins. God the Father accepted that sacrifice. And because God the Father accepted that sacrifice, he looks at that sacrifice of that blood when you repent of your sin and God forgives your sin. And when he forgives your sin, your sin, you are saved. English. But your salvation is forever and that will never change. If that will never change, then there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. Otherwise, the Bible is wrong. Now, we're back over over in 1 John chapter 3. Notice there in verse 9. This is the first time I ever saw this. Now, now that I saw years ago, but this is the first time I ever saw that. Wherefore is whosoever is born of God. And then down there at the very end, because he is born of God. That word born means to come into existence. Anybody want to guess what tense that is? Perfect tense. 
So when we were born again, we came into existence as a child of God because our Father is God the Father. So we came into existence. That means we didn't exist before that. That's why before you were saved, some things didn't bother you. Why? You were dead. Ephesians says we were dead in trespasses and sins. We were dead. But when you got saved, because you're now in a new existing form called a Christian with a spiritual life, the Holy Spirit of God can now convict you of that sin. And now you're troubled by it. Whereas before it didn't bother you. Now, you'll notice that it says here, for his seed remaineth in him. That which came into existence by God, which was your spirit, became alive. Okay? Your, your spirit was dead. When your spirit became alive through the birth process of God recreating you or creating you, okay, you became a being that was not before. That's why you're called a babe in Christ. When your children, you that have had children, not you children, okay, when, when you have a child, there's a time when it starts to exist. And by the way, it learns in the womb. They've already proved that. How does it, all of a sudden, it's born nine months later and it knows how to breathe. Had to learn somewhere. How does it all of a sudden understand melody and, and tunes and, and Christian songs and verse when it's young? Because the mama talked to him or her while she carried her for, or him for nine months. The child learned in the womb. Now when it's born, it starts learning again. Some, some of the lessons can be hard. Some of them wind up with scraped up knees, falling off the bicycle. Does mom or daddy want him to fall off the bicycle? No. But they try to ride without help. But they got to learn. And so as a babe in Christ, there are things that you would like to do that you just seem like it can't happen, but it will. If you'll just keep on letting God grow you. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow. So you've got to grow. Now to, to grow, you've got to be fed. Our food is right here. The, the good thing about it is, just like a child, a child doesn't need to go to the table to eat. So you don't need to come here to learn. But if a child is all up by itself, it's going to, you know, wherever it can put its hands, that's where the food goes. If some of it goes in the mouth, well, that's pretty good. You know, because you can't eat through your ears. I know some of you may try that, but it doesn't work. So as a Christian, as a babe in Christ, you need to be 
where mama or daddy, particularly the pastor, can feed you. Now, you're only going to learn because you have the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said, and he will guide you into all truth. But, Brother Donnie may have to learn one thing out of a message, and Brother Mike something different. Their wives don't count. <laughs> no, but all of us are different at different if if all of us were saved on the same day, we grow differently. So why should I look at somebody else in our congregation, even the pastor, and say, man, I'm not like him. Man, I'm a failure. I just can't do anything. That's crazy. That is childish. Now, you, I can look at pastors and say, boy, I'd like to be like him someday. Yeah. Kids do that all the time. That's why they try out for sports and, and all these other things. But God teaches you that which you need. The Holy Spirit does that. And, and most of the time, we don't even know he's doing it. Because we only have physical ears. We don't hear the voice of God. He doesn't speak audibly now. As a normal rule. Now, he has been known to do that. <laughs> But he doesn't normally do that. Most of the time, if you need God to speak audibly, you're really thick-headed. Because you just can't listen. A person that won't try to listen to God, leadership of the Holy Spirit, is rebellious. So you're born. That is completed action. Now, whatever you were born as, when he created you, okay? Remember, it came into existence. That, that is the same, that stays the same forever, just like your salvation. Nothing changes. Now, we have, well, not everybody's as old as Brother Mike, but you know, most of us have to live another 100 years or so but, now his wife's so young that, you know, okay, we'll get off that. <laughs> but you're constantly growing. You're not, you, listen, you cannot regress as a Christian. Because once God starts it, you he just keeps it going. Now you can, you can decide not to eat and cause yourself not to keep growing. But you will grow. But some people don't. That's why some people say they're saved and they are so contrary to the word of God. Because that new existence was never created. Now, did you feel it? I didn't feel it. The only thing I felt was like a piano was lifted off of me. I thought I could float out of that pastor's office. I mean, it was, uh, 
Now, I only had that experience two other times. And one time was when I knew that I was supposed to resign the church in Miami. I fought that for three years. I just knew I was supposed to leave, but God would not give me the peace to do it. And when God gave me the peace, I mean, he didn't gradually. I mean, one day it, it was there and hit me in the face like that. I said, okay, I can leave now. And I mean, total peace. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see anything. But I knew that he'd, he'd given me liberty. Now, we cannot say that there's, a, that there's a part of us that cannot sin. Now, I want to get that much to you, okay? This that you see up here and I see out there, except for some of the glare. Um, I heard that. What we see is called the flesh. Is that right? That's right. You know what, you know what Paul says over in Romans chapter uh, 7? In me. Then he clarifies it. He said, in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. Well, what about your soul in it? Isn't that a good thing? Yeah. What about you passing out tracks? Is that a good thing? Yeah. What about teaching Sunday school? Doing work around the church? All those are good things. But he said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. In our flesh dwelleth no good thing. We are, you know what we're waiting for, according to Romans? We're waiting for the adoption. The adoption. We're not already in that, in that place of adoption. We're waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. That's why this has to go. It cannot take the full glory of God. Moses only got to, he, he was put in a, a cleft of a rock like behind the pulpit and God passed by and after God was already gone, it's like the dust from his feet. Then God took away his hand and that's all Moses got to see. And when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai after getting the law, he had to put a veil over his face because the children of Israel could not bear to look on his face. It was so shiny. But Moses didn't know that. Until somebody said something. And so somebody, somebody will come up to you and say, are you a Christian? How'd you know? Hey, you just kind of look like it. You didn't do that on purpose. It's just the way you live. It's who you walk and talk with. Romans chapter 7. And we'll get on this. The first one is, there's a part of you that never will sin. You know what part that is? That's that part that was created back over here. It was born of God. It's that part that's going to go to heaven. Your flesh is not going to go to heaven. It's that part that was created back here and will forever. God is not going to born anything, birth anything into sin. God doesn't even let sin into heaven. But what he births is righteous and holy. And sinless. 
So if it's that way, it's going to be that way forever. There's a part of you that cannot sin. And that part guarantees your eternal life. And it guarantees you a place in heaven because you will not take sin into heaven. Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, I've done this. I've done that. But there's still a part of you that has done nothing wrong. But, Romans 7, and we're going to start in verse uh, 15. For that, this is the Apostle Paul. Okay, Pastors mentioned this before. Uh, but this is the Apostle Paul. For that which I, I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Whoa, wait a minute. Boy, that just blew everything apart. I do that which is wrong. But what I do, I don't do. It's sin that dwelleth in me. That means you have to separate in yourself you and the sin that dwells in you. And the sin that dwells in you causes you to do wrong. You don't choose to do wrong. It causes you to choose to do wrong. Go on back to the, to the where you're going to begin with this. And who causes you to do wrong? The devil, because he's a liar. He says here, let's, uh, let's just keep going. Verse 17, now there is no more I that do it, but sin dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Here we go. And I want, listen carefully. For to will or to want to do is present with me. But how to perform that which is good, I find out. Oh, yes, the preacher preaches a great message or anyone else preaches a great message on soul winning. And you come forward and you say, oh, God, yes, use me to be a soul winner. And yet you don't do anything. Why? Your mind says that's what I want to do. That's what Paul says. But when it comes down to doing it, I don't do it. Why? Because it's sin that dwells in us. And we have to fight the sin that's in us. We don't fight ourselves. We fight the sin that's in us. We need to start fighting the sin instead of condemning ourselves. We're not condemned. There's therefore now no condemnation. If there's no condemnation, then why are you condemning yourself? You don't condemn yourself. You condemn the sin that caused you not to do what you wanted to do up here. And you fight the devil. And you fight the sin. But you don't fight yourself. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil, verse 19. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Did you get that, folks? Hey, when you want to do good, there's a law that says evil's going to be there at the same place. Okay? You, we're going to have a battle. Your life is a fight not to go to heaven. That's already secure in 1 John 3. That's not to have the favor of God. You're a child of his. You have his favor. 
It's a witness that you have on this earth before the lost and other Christians. And that's why you fight the sin. So the devil doesn't have any, any ammunition. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring. There it is. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. That, that's Apostle Paul saying. And we'd all say he was a great warrior. He, he walked with God. And he had the same fight you got. And he didn't always win the fight. But he kept on fighting. But you'll never see anywhere where Paul condemns himself. He said that is in me. And this is why God made sure he clarified that. In me, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. You can't trust this. You, listen, if I don't have anything good in my flesh, you don't have anything good in your flesh. But we do have good in our minds. Renew your minds. That's why you got to be in the book. So the Holy Spirit of God can renew your mind and give you that information and that that. whatever the word is, <laughs> that you need to win the battle. Because if you don't, your goose is cooked. <sighs> but watch. He says in the latter part of that, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Not, not who's going to save me, not who's going to take me to heaven, the wages of sin is death. Well, who's going to deliver me from the body that causes me to walk around with death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So when you fight your battle, remember that your, what you try to do in the flesh is not going to make it. You need to be geared up spiritually, what we would say spiritually, your mind geared in to what you have to fight and fight it and then go ahead. See, the victorious Christian life is not some utopia where you never are, are challenged with sin. That's when you get to heaven. Our son John is not tempted with sin. My dad is not tempted with sin. David is not tempted with sin. Anything, any kind of sin that they may have had in their mind before, gone. They don't have one battle in heaven. But we still do, don't we? And we will until we go to heaven. So the victorious Christian life is not a, a life of ease. Back in First John, all that's introduction. No, no. <laughs> no, I'm on point two. No, 
verses one through three. My wife and I chose uh, verse one for our verse together. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Now, hey, if you're saved, the world doesn't understand you. How can you have so much peace and joy in your church with all that's going on? Because we're the children of God. He gives us that. We don't have to work for that. He gives us that. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our righteousness. You cannot earn out righteousness. Righteousness was given to you when you got saved. You can't get any more righteousness. It's amazing that in the Christian life, all we're supposed to do is live. But in a work salvation, you have to keep working. Because you never know when you've done enough. Beloved, now, tonight, October 20th, now are we the sons of God. You're not going to become a child of God when you get to heaven. You don't, you don't wait till. Why? Because you were created back here when you got saved. You became a child of God back here. So when you're here in October 20th, you're a child of God. Whether you're here on earth or in heaven, you're a child of God in, in 2022. See, that doesn't change. So now are we the sons of God? I'll keep going. <laughs> and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. How is he pure? He resurrected body. And when we see him, we'll have a resurrected body too. And we'll be exactly where he is. So rejoice. You are living the victorious Christian life. I remember Zach uh, quoted something I, I said, and it's not original with me. Uh, uh, one of my professors in college uh, said it, but it stuck with me. And he said that I said it, and I did say it, but I stole it. <laughs> and in Romans chapter 8, it was talking about what shall separate us from the love of Christ. And then it lists a whole bunch of things that's possible. And it says in verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, there are things when I got saved... that I did that I'm not proud of. We are all are that way. And, and the thing, and I've learned this, the longer you're saved, the more you realize you got more in the back that you didn't know you had when you were younger. But, it's all under the blood. And I thank God for that. And nobody, unless I tell them, or Something, I don't know what. But God will never reveal it because my sins and iniquities, he remembers no more. Amen. So you, I go to God and I say, God, 
please forgive me for that liquor I drank. He's going to say, what? Why? Because he looks at me, not as an old guy. He looks at me as a new creation. And that's not there. Now, when I got saved, my liquor drinking went like that. It just did. Now, I know other people have struggled with it. My smokes went like that. Now, there's one thing that didn't go like that. That was my language. I served four years, eight months, 27 days in the military, and I had the language to go with it. And I'm not proud of that. But I finally got it conquered. That's the word that's used. I am more than a conqueror in my language. I don't have to fight that anymore. Once you have the victory over sin in your life, in your flesh, you have defeated that, whatever it is, you are more than a conqueror. That doesn't mean you will never be tempted again. That doesn't mean that that temptation will never come again. But when it comes, you say, I don't even worry about that. I would, I used to walk across the street to bypass a bar. So I wouldn't be tempted. I would take the, when the cans, the sodas came in, started coming in cans, I would take, and they would always give you a plastic, uh, a paper sack. But I remember that the paper sack used to have a bottle of beer in it. I'd take the sack off, throw it in the ground, and then I would make sure that either Pepsi or Coke was pointed out so that when I drank it, everybody could see. And you know what I did? I quit drinking in the cans because I realized how fast people drove by. They couldn't tell what that was except it was a can. And I read in the Bible, avoid all appearance of evil. Didn't say avoid all evil. Said avoid all appearance of evil. So I just stopped drinking any cans. That's why I have a very hard time. In fact, most of the time, and I love IBC, root beer. Or dads. Well, okay, any root beer. <laughs> but I, I, I've stopped drinking it as a general rule. Unless I'm at home. Because it comes in a brown bottle. Appearance. It's appearance. So there are things that I'm, I'm still working through in my life. But there are some things I'm already conquered. But I don't go back and dwell on that. Now listen. There's things in your life that you will conquer one day. Don't get frustrated at your life. The victorious life is living your life to the best of your ability in the will of God. And if you sin, then guess what? All you have to do is say, God, I'm sorry. Would you help me conquer that? And that's it. Now in work salvation, I don't know what all they got to do to get forgiveness. And I can talk about work salvation because half my family on my stepdad's side was there. But live like you're victorious. And you are. Since you've been saved, since everybody in here has been saved, since you were created, recreated, you were, you were by God, you were born again. I mean, that's a special word, born again. 
since you were born by God, you have been a conqueror in something. It may be that you used to holler and shout at each other or you get, you fly off the handle or something and you don't do that anymore. You don't even have a, an inkling to want to do that. Guess what you've conquered? Oh, and by the way, part of the fruit of the spirit is temperance. Wow, you may even be filled with the spirit. You may have so much Bible going through you that you don't even know it. Just because you're living it. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the word of God. Thank you for teaching us things we knew but didn't know. Things that you wanted us to know that we didn't know we could know. Thank you that you've never given up on us when we have given up on us. Thank you for just being you. And thank you for making the Christian life not a bed of roses, but a bunch of piles to show the world that you can take a life and that that life can be victorious. And it is so true of what some of them have said tonight in the testimony time. Don't know how the lost world makes it without you. And that's true. I pray for all that you dwell with us, be with our pastor, strengthen him. Lord, he has a bad case of bronchitis. That could last a while. We don't want him to last a while like that. We want him to be around a long time, but we want him to be well. So we ask you to strengthen him, strengthen Miss Tammy. Let them be with us again on Sunday. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Brother Brandon.